0: The work of Media Matters has gone on, which I'm really, really happy to say. And we have projects that have been started. Now they've all been slowed down. COVID was one big reason why the projects all slowed down, but they're still alive. And now I'm praying and hoping and trusting that we will resurrect some projects on the ground uh, and in the days ahead. And one of the ones I'm very excited about, we went down to Cuba, And we started a new project there with uh, a couple, of two main churches with other smaller churches kind of linking into it. Training Cuban people, guys mostly, about video production uh, for Christian work in those churches and through those churches so they can make little videos with Cubans, talking to Cubans about the gospel, sharing the gospel. And there's no better powerful messenger than somebody in a culture speaking to others in that culture. So I have a quick three minute video. If you'd like to run it, that would be helpful. This is from a guy called Joey, who's the main contact in Cuba. And I went the first time, because he's gonna mention a name called Rod. A guy called Rod McDonald uh, went with me on this trip. Thank you.
1: Welcome to Cuba, I'm Pastor Joey, I'm pastor of Sikh Baptist Church in Santiago. So we had such a wonderful week uh, this month with Pastor Rod and Pastor Bob. You know, and just listening how God wants to move forward in, in Cuba to, uh, for the extension of his kingdom. So we see this such a great opportunity for us here to develop media in Cuba. People love media. So we have seen that such a great opportunity for this ministry to come to Cuba and to be part of uh, the presentation and extension of the God's kingdom. To see how God works, and how He always comes to time. And um, exactly now in Cuba that we are developing um, in uh, internet and so on. This is very new for us, yes. but we, we bless the name of the Lord for this, uh, for this ministry. And we hope you can come and teach us and train us to um, extend the kingdom and to take to remote places and to show and present other people in another way. And a way the Cuban likes so much. I mean, about uh, watching movies and so on. That would be exciting. The People here in the church, they will love it. Not only in the city, but also in the mountains. So that that would be awesome. The leaders here, they responded very positively. More than I expected, you know, because For some, are very new, it's a big picture. They have many questions and so on. But I guess practice makes perfect. So, So, so exciting to see and to learn how that works. I hope to see people in the mountains, you know, presenting our own stories. From Cuba to Cuba, not from America, not from Canada. I want to, we want to make our own products in Cuba, made in Cuba, (laughs) made in Cuba, media made in Cuba. (laughs) Oh, you have to come back, there is no choice. We need you here, we want you to be part of us here, and we we just need it, we don't don't know what to do. So remember, we are the body of Christ. Maybe you are the hands, you are the feet, so we need you, you need to come back, please. I just uh, want to thank to all the people who made uh, it possible to come to Cuba and to share that vision with us. We thank you from the Lord and uh, we hope that the Lord will bless you more and more and provide more resources for uh, this guy to come back again to us. So we'll be praying. For sure we'll be praying for that. and I dedicate a, a verse in the Bible in Hebrews 6, 10. So read it and enjoy it. May the Lord
0: bless you we were on our way back to the airport to return to the uh, to Canada and we stopped at a little coffee shop you could hear the cars going uh, by the side of the road and just decided to do, do that then so that's why it's a little bit rough around the edges but uh, that's Joey he's the pastor of that church and uh, can't wait to get back to see him at some time we've been in touch all along Uh Nepal, go ahead, Uh, I have had the privilege of teaching, this is just crazy to me, teaching an online video course to these guys, and there's twice as many of these guys, I just thought I'd throw a few up, who live in various parts of Nepal. Now, for those that don't know, we lived in Nepal for eight years, and so we have roots in Nepal. And this, I was called by that guy in the top left corner, Uh, if we might be able to do something and help train some of these guys. And so we set it up and had a full-blown video production course all online. And it was just amazing. So I could stay home and organize and bring resources in. And they've all got phones. Even up in the villages in the mountains, they all have phones. Amazing. So that's what you can do online when people have phones all over the place. So that was something that was accomplished. And uh, keep in touch with these guys all the time for follow up. And you know we get calls and so on to see how that's going. So thank you for that. We're also still involved online with Uzbekistan. You, as many of you know we were there for a year. but I was there for about a year and a half. And uh, I got a report back. I was going to show you a picture, but Stas asked me not to. <laughs> it's that kind of country. So um, he gave me a report. I said, I want an update report on what's going on. And I couldn't believe it. I'd love to, I don't have time, but I'd love to read it off to you. The stuff that has been happening out of our little studios in Tashkent is amazing. And we started that whenever I was there, or we picked it up and ran with it. I was working with FIBA at the time. And uh, it's very exciting. So Stas and I remain in contact. And that project is just, God has blessed it and blessed it, and it's having a major impact all through Central Asia now, not just Uzbekistan. And again, the internet has played a massive role in all of that. Uh, The other thing that I'm quite excited about, but I can't wait for my head to clear up, is I want to start a new video production project, a series, based on prophecy. Not today's prophecy about the future, but about Old Testament prophecy about Christ, and here's what I want to address, how I want to address it. If I say to you the word prophecy, what comes to your mind? And I'll give two chocolates out of that chocolate thing if you can say the word that's <laughs> going to motivate this, this this video series. You know, people think about the future, and they think about this and that. But to me, the word that really identifies prophecy is impossible prophecy is just plain impossible how does that work and i think people don't even stop they don't stop even for a moment to think about it's impossible how can how can one of you or me or even your revered pastor tell me what's going to happen in 300 years in detail I guess I need to stay here, don't I? (laughs) Uh, Any agreement on that? Anybody think, yeah, actually? But people don't think about it. So I want this series to get them to think about it. How can a prophecy work? And yet there's prophecy that's worked, for Jesus, not 1 or 2 or 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 100 or 200, 400 prophecies about Jesus over in the Bible, and every single one is exactly accurate, five, six, seven hundred years previous to its happening. Now you cannot just not pay attention to that. How can you just go, oh, that's not important. It's frivolous. It is not frivolous. And so I want this series to just little short, sharp videos to ask that question. What do you think of when you think of prophecy? And if I say impossible, how does that make you feel? And then talk about that, have a little bit about the actual prophecy, the, the facts of the prophecy, and then end it with this challenge, which is a challenge for each one of us every day as well. How can we just discard this out of our thinking? We're not taking it seriously. It's there. It's, it's, what's the word I want? It is recorded. You know, the Dead Sea Scrolls, all kinds of prophecies in there, and, and other things. So that's what this video series is about. And I really would appreciate prayer about it, because the wording and the presentation of the material, I want it to be spot on. And my, one of my frustrations now is I just don't have the brain to do it. I'm told it's supposed to come back. <laughs> So I'm praying for that. But I'm looking now for other people's input as well. So when I'm back in Canada, I'm talking to a lot of people about how to word the introduction and all that kind of stuff. So I appreciate prayer for that. the Prophecy video series. And so on and so forth. And there are a couple other things in the works, but I'm setting those aside for the moment. And then just my links with other missionaries that I have worked with and want to continue to work with that uh, we stay in touch and I want those to stay strong. So next week, or two weeks, whatever, Uh, I'm gonna go down and have a meeting with John Hargreaves, you know John? And so uh, we're gonna spend some time together because we've done quite a few projects together in the past. Anyway, I want to just say to this fellowship, thank you because you have been so faithful to us over such a long period of time and I hope that you have felt that that's been well-placed trust. Uh, I can't like again I just can't tell you how much we appreciate it and how much we appreciate you guys for those things and your prayer and your practical support has been fabulous so thank you let me read you something this scripture today is of all the verses in Hebrews because you're on a series of he- in Hebrews And so I looked up these verses again and I read them and I thought, wow, this is exciting stuff. This is amazing what God wants to tell you today and remind me of today. If you've got a Bible there, I recommend you grab it and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. It's like pretty well that far in the the Bible. This is the thick one, the Old Testament, everything. So just a few pages, thin pages on this end. If you have a, and you can't find it, it's page 1208, if that helps you. This is so encouraging for each one of us, if you're a believer. If you are not a believer, this is so encouraging for you to consider as what the future you can and should have and you've been designed to have in your life. It's right here, you're gonna love this, ready? Chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have great, a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to clean us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You know what? I'm going to throw a little challenge out. Where's the camera? I want to talk to you at home just for a sec. Did you hear that last sentence? I hope you have a good reason for staying home, because you should be at church. Oh, that's verse 25. Shall I just pick it up there again? (laughs) Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Father God in heaven, this is your word. And I tremble at the thought of sharing the thoughts I believe you've given me about it. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking now that you will come. As you have promised, you will come and settle right here, right now, with each one of us in this room, in this place. We've gathered in your name, you've promised. So because you are here, I'm asking that you will fill your word with your power and speak to each one, each heart here, including mine, whatever it is that you want to speak to us today through this word, thank you that your word is living and has so much to say to us as we live our lives. So I'm praying this, that in the days ahead, your name will be honored in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Uh, You know, in any, any book or any movie or any kind of story, The author is always conscious and aware of his audience. It's so important. Now, I just want to review this. You probably know this already, but I just wanted to review this because the whole book of Hebrews, when you read it, it's a fabulous book. It's more fabulous when you keep in mind who it's written to. And I just want to review quickly what that is. Now, first of all, I have to admit, there's lots of discussion about this in theological circles, so I'm told. So there's not cut and dry even who wrote the book let alone exactly who the audience was. But basically, the audience is was a fellowship of newly converted Jewish people who had grown up in the Jewish tradition in the law, the law of Moses. That was the framework for the Jewish religion. Now Jesus comes and destroys the law. He says, I want you to be free. And so now these people are trying to figure out what is freedom and what it is to live as a believer in Jesus. Early days, there's no definitions, there's no structures, there's nothing. It's just these people are trying to figure out how to honor Jesus in their lives. New religion, new experience with the Lord. On the other side, they've got these Jewish people who they left who are giving these guys all kinds of trouble and even persecution to get them to come back. And also some of these people are thinking, because it gets to be a bumpy ride when that's happening, and they're thinking, well, it was more comfortable back there. Maybe I should go back. And so they're thinking, maybe we should just go back to our old ways. We're familiar with this. It's comfortable here, I feel safe here. But over here is where they know they need to be, where they've committed to be, to be with Jesus and to move forward in life with the Lord. It's a common scenario. That's why it's so effective and powerful today. In some of our lives, we're thinking, you know, back then, my life was more comfortable. Back then, I didn't have to deal with the issues I deal with now. In some of your cases, that may be true. So that's kind of the scenario. It's a fledgling group of believers, new forms of worship, new arenas of trust, because the law speaks heavily and the The penalties for breaking laws are clear and you know what's going to happen. Over here, it's faith, faith. We believe that what God says is true. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, I just say this one little word. The new ethos here has the one word that no other religious or faith expression has anywhere, anywhere. It's the word that we have uniquely in our Christian walk. And that's the most beautiful word, grace. We live under grace. We live as believers in Jesus because Jesus loved us first and has opened up all these doors for us to live our Christian life. And it's all because he loves us. He gives us grace to make mistakes, to fall down, to get confused, feel insecure. All those things that happen because we're just broken human beings. Grace. God's love just is always for us. For us. Anyway. So Hebrews is basically a book to help these people understand their new way. Their new way of connecting to their Father in Heaven. That's what this is for. It's about a new way in a relationship with Christ as the foundation of our life. And for us, it's a renewing every day in your walk with Christ. So we would renew every day, we should be. Every day, every morning you get up and say, Jesus, thank you, it's another day. If you're in pain or you're under the gun or there's something really ha- heavy happening in your life, you get up in the morning and go, thank you, Jesus, it's a new day. Anyway. Because he's walking with us every day, right through the day, every day. This is a call to recognize ways that we can attune ourselves to do that. So there's four basic lessons. Hey, somebody watch the clock for me, please. (laughs) It's awful. I was going to turn my... So, So there's four quick little things. Quick little things that we can get out of these verses. And they will encourage you, and they will enlighten you, and they're fantastic. First one is, we can now, with confidence, total, pure confidence, approach God. You and I can walk into the presence of God, the creator of heaven and earth. The one who sustains everything that's happening. Without God, none of this. I heard a story one time about a guy who went to God, and he says, God, this is like a a few hundred years from now, he says, God, we've got it all together now, we figured it all out, we're so smart, we human beings. I can make a person too. God says, really? And the man says, yeah, I'll show you. God says, okay. And so this guy goes over and starts to pick up a handful of dirt. God says, wait a minute, get your own dirt. (laughs) This is God. And we now have permission to go right to his face and say, Dad, I need your help. Abba, that's a very familiar term for father, dad. I need your help right now. Or another day, another month, you go, Dad, life is so fantastic and I just thank you and I bless your name and I'm just grateful to you. Anyway, we can confidently approach God and then this challenges us to respond to that opportunity. And through this, we are called to hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Gee, I hope God's real. I hope God's honest. I hope what I read is true. This calls us to stand on that. And then it's a call to be faithful in fellowship. Faithful in fellowship. But this thing about being able to confidently approach God is great. And, okay, now thinking back, these are Jewish people, so they know all the Jewish history and all the Jewish symbolism. This calls us. Verse 19. We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. That's a huge permission right there. We have confidence in what Jesus did by when he invited us to enter the presence of God. Through this life we have now, and in all through eternity, we can be in the presence of God. I have one word that I use to describe Heaven. complete. When we get to heaven, everything is complete. There's no more sore bellies or sore feet. There's no more pain because of what this person has done to us or what's happened. There's no more sadness over death. And we were made, you know, I, I, if I, I'd love to break through and ask every one of you, what yearning have you got inside you that's never been able to be fulfilled? you know, what kind of thing do you feel you would love to have done or you'd have the freedom to do? We're all wired by God personally and individually. And when we get to heaven, all the frustrations of not being able to live that out will be fulfilled, will be complete because we're going to do it all. Oh, heaven. But now we can confidently approach God directly. The curtain is torn. We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way opened for us through the curtain. That is his body. Now the curtain would mean a lot of would have a lot of meaning for these people because the temple curtain was ripped from the top to the bottom. Everything God does is all great illustrations and all woven together. And this is just one of the examples of that. A new and living way opened to us through the curtain, which is Jesus. Jesus the curtain, Jesus who was torn to open the door for us to be able to go and stand before God and reveal our hearts, not that it needs revealing, but that's our exercise to do. God already knows. And say, God, I'm so appreciative of your love for me so we can approach God because what Jesus has done for us begs the question. So should we walk through it? The door is there. It's there already. It's all been done. The door has been built and is swung wide open. The challenge is walk through. Walk through. Paul writes this in Ephesians Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in trespasses or sin, it is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ. That's you and me. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. That's our future. Now, find something better than that. Find something that comes even minusculely as good as that forever in his presence. The second call was to respond to this open door. Let us go right into the presence. This is uh, Hebrews 10, 22, verse 22. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, for our daily consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood. Excuse me. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood. and made that To make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Again, the references back to the Jewish way. When the blood of animals was sprinkled to ask for forgiveness of sin. And this is Christ's blood that has been sprinkled that has been shed so that this door could be opened one thing to build the door it's another to have it open and our bodies have been washed with pure water you know the priests used to go into the Holy of Holies they used to be once a year under all kinds of rules and regulations and preparation requirements and all the rest then they could go into the Holy of Holies where God was the Ark of the Covenant and all that once a year, and when they went in to do very specified activities in there for the people, and then they would come out. And they always had a rope tied around their ankle when they went in. Because if they didn't do it right, they were gone. God just took them. It had to be that exact on the law. And the rope was there to pull the body out. So for these Jewish believers, speaking in that kind of language... Referring back to the sprinkling of the blood and the washing of the body was poignant, was a deep, meaningful thing, which is why we want to keep in mind who this was written for. Oh, I'm going by. All of this preparation and these things in mind give us this confidence to approach and go to God. I've just started a point here that I want to make. This call of God on our lives, this opportunity that God has presented to each one of us, is not a call to religion. It is not a call to come to church. It is partly, but that's not the point I want to make. It's not a call to religion. It is a call to relationship. And we can have this personal, deep, meaningful relationship with God. And then out of that comes, and we'll talk about in just a sec, comes this call to fellowship. And it's this call to fellowship that is fulfilled in church. Vital. Very vital. It's a personal call, though, on each one of us. To be honest with God, to trust God, and to listen to God. So in the verse itself, it says, sincere, come with sincere. So we were honest with God, just lay it out with God. To trust God, that's the assurance we have when we do it, and to listen to God, which means be prepared to be sprinkled and washed so that we can live our lives in a way that honors Him. And that's the priority. I remember I used to always think honoring God, what an egotistic God he is. But at the end of the day, it's a a knot that ties us together. Us with him and us with each other so that everything we do, the focus is not on us, but on him every day in every way as we walk. It's all about him. We have our programs and we have our systems and all the rest of it and a lot of them flawed. I mean, one thing that keeps people away from getting to know God is the church. The bad press, the bad actions, the ridiculous rules and everything, trying to go back to this old way of life, some of them. I mean, it's a huge thing. Well, Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it, which means the gates of hell are trying to prevail against it. It's an ongoing challenge for the church. God will build it, God will protect it, it's in God's hands, so I don't feel pressure over that, I'm just aware of it happening. And you can look anywhere in the news, what's the news about churches you hear? Bad. This is broken, bad decisions, this is how, blah, blah, blah. blah. Anyway, I digress. Here's one, one verse from Romans 15 uh, Romans 5:18 about relationship not religion yes Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone but my favorite word in the Bible almost but I love it The turning word this is the horribleness but this is the goodness this is the world this is God I love it yes Adam's sin brings condemnation for everyone but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Hello. This is wonderful. We're called to relationship. We're called to hold unswervingly the hope we profess. Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Faithful. So I want to ask the question, what hope do you profess? How would you define your hope? Makes me think of 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Which means to do that, it's got to be clear in your own heart and in your own mind to be able to share why you have hope in Christ. Can you do that? Is it clear in your own head? Are you at peace with the hope that you have in our faithful God? We place our hope in a faithful and true God. This is from Old Testament, Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God and he is a faithful God. I'll leave that, I'm sorry. I'll just finish with this. The final thing is a call to faithfulness in fellowship. We're all in this together. And we're called to be in fellowship with each other. It's been said that the Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. The Bible doesn't know it at all. We have solitary times. We go to the Lord, solitary place, quiet place, just talk to God with honesty. Without any interference, that's vital. But this is vital. Let us consider, it says in verse 24, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. I'm not going to go the rest of this stuff. I just want to make one point here, if I may. Get your good deeds in the right place. Good deeds do not lead us to God. Good deeds mean nothing to God. Unless they're a result of your relationship with God, then, because of His love to you, you want to overflow that. Then it comes out, expresses itself as good deeds, not the other way around. And those good deeds are done... To reflect honor and glory to the God who has prepared your spirit to enter into those deeds first. Does that make sense? It is by grace that we have been saved, not works. It's a key difference. I know so many people that that do go to church and do lovely things, but they're not believers. They don't really know God. They don't really trust God. They've got some wall that is... just keeping them from walking through that door that we just talked about. So I would just challenge each one of us in the name of the Lord to consider how you're doing in that. Just by grace. What a fabulous thing. Grace. It's all grace and it's all God. So that we can live our lives in joy no matter what the circumstances, and in peace no matter what the circumstances because our trust is in the man that we walk through the door to meet with every day. Lord, your word is so fabulous. Thank you so much for it. And I pray that we will honor you in our lives today and this week and the months and years ahead. And that as a result, you will bless us and strengthen us and be the good shepherd you've promised to be by guiding us where you want us to go and that we will like obedient sheep just follow you Know your way and follow your way. Lord, thank you for your love and your blessing. We pray all of this for your name's honor and glory. Amen.